0: Break out your bell bottoms and double denim. We're talking about Motown. Oh, wait, not that Motown. Motown the horse. Will his supporters be dancing in the street after the Kentucky Derby? We'll ask Motown's trainer, Tony Dutrow, plus a Derby Trail update on this edition of In the Gate.
1: They're in the gate. They're in the gate. In the gate. They're in the gate. It's a hit by Big Finish.
0: This is In The Gate, ESPN's Thoroughbred Racing Podcast. My name is Barry Abrams. You can follow me on Twitter at B. Abrams Voice or on Facebook at Barry Abrams Voice. You can also get us on our YouTube channel by searching In The Gate Podcast. You can get us on SoundCloud as well, which services the iTunes store, TuneIn.com and its app. You can get us on the Pink Podcatcher app as well. And you can get us in the Listen tab of the ESPN app. For the full In The Gate experience, subscribe now in the Listen tab of the ESPN app. Right now, no one can agree on who's in charge and whether the one on top is fit to be there. Oh, wait. You thought I was talking about the government, didn't you? No, I was talking about the Kentucky Derby. Pardon me. No one's really taking control of the Derby picture through the primaries. We'll see about the top-rated but very lightly raced McCracken in the bluegrass. But now, it's time for the nominating conventions. Will anybody stamp himself as the Derby favorite nominee? Maybe it'll be this guy.
2: Here's Motown on the
3: outside. takaful and Motown, and they hook up in the stretch, and no dozing is third. Motown has come away with the lead as they pass the eighth pole. takaful back running in second. No dozing is third. It's a Motown, the son of Uncle Mo, to win the remsen
1: with Johnny Velasquez.
0: Motown carried a lot of promise after that win as a two-year-old in November. The Remsen is two turns at a mile and an eighth, pretty early in a horse's career to run that long. Then, he debuted this year with a dud, a fifth-place effort in New Orleans in the Risen Star, a race won by the surprising Girvin. But hey, little history lesson here. In 2000, George W. Bush, maybe you've heard of him, lost by 18 points to John McCain in the New Hampshire primary in January, so there's still hope for Motown on the Derby Trail. Trainer Tony Dutrow will try Motown in the Wood Memorial. And we are pleased to welcome trainer Tony Dutrow back here to win the gate. It's been a while. How has he done in training since the Risen Star?
3: Very good. Very good. We're We're... We're as happy as we can be with him. He went a mile in, uh the last part of it was 102. A nice steady pace around there, to set up some uh, good stamina. Pacing park surface, it's not fast like, like at the races.
0: Oh, I see. It was a little surprising seeing Motown pop up in Louisiana since, one, you don't ship there too often and two you said after the remsen in november that the gotham would be a likely destination again at aqueduct in march and three there was an equine herpes outbreak and quarantine there so why louisiana for him last time
3: i wasn't going to keep the horse in in new york in, in the elements that he'd been exposed to in the wintertime
0: what did you think of his race in the risen star
3: it was disappointing obviously it was very disappointing And I'm hopeful, and that's the proper word, I'm hopeful uh, he rebounds uh, from that and gives us uh, the race that we're hoping for and and need from him in the Wood Memorial.
0: Did you see anything physically on him when he came back from there that would give you an indication?
3: No. No, no. He entered the Risen Star and came out of the Risen Star very, very good.
0: Motown is not named for anything involving Donna Summer, Gladys Knight, or Barry Gordy. He's, of course, a son of Uncle Mo, the 2010 two-year-old champion. Motown comes from Uncle Mo's second crop, but you bought him for $200,000 before the first crop started racing and proving how good a sire Uncle Mo is. Among his first-year children was this guy.
1: And here's Nyquist. Champion Nyquist comes off the turn and takes the lead away from Gunrunner. It's Nyquist clear by three. Gunrunner's running in second. Exaggerator continues to close. Time is running out. Nyquist is 100 yards from home. Exaggerator with one final try in the derby. Nyquist holds on. He's undefeated, and he's won the 142nd Kentucky Derby.
0: What if you tried to buy Motown today? Well, Motown's a—he's a very good-looking
3: horse, and uh, he does have a, a good pedigree, and obviously, uh, Uncle Mo has done done very, very well. I imagine Motown, if he was selling last year or this year, I imagine he'd have brought it five five hundred
0: thousand. And where is that in what the in the range that you like to purchase?
3: Well, I'd, I'd be happy to do that, but I, I, I I'm not in that position. I'm I'm more of a two to three hundred two to three hundred thousand is uh is where I'm at, but I wish I did have more money to uh uh buy uh, n- not a better horse but uh, um um uh, more pedigree, you know, Tappet and Uncle mel and Curlin, uh but those horses are those horses are five, six, seven, eight hundred thousand dollars.
0: As things stand today, Motown has just ten qualifying points on the Kentucky Derby Leaderboard. It's probably going to take at least 20, maybe 30, to make it into the top 18. And remember, by the way, to stay with us on this podcast in just a few minutes, we'll talk about that 19th and 20th Derby slots, the ones reserved for the Japanese runner Epicaris, and now the UAE Derby winner, Thunder Snow. That's coming up in just a few minutes. But as for Motown, it's going to take at least a top three in the Wood Memorial to make it into Kentucky. How concerned are you about the whole point system thing? Mo, it's as simple as
3: that. I, I totally uh, agree that Motown must uh, earn his way or he does not belong in the Kentucky Derby.
0: Trainer Tony Dutro joining us here on In the Gate. He'll send out Motown and the Wood Memorial. I know you're not operating a mega stable like we talked about before, but I read that you do have some two year olds in the pipeline, one of them a son of Kentucky Derby winner Orb. What is your strategy when you look for young horses to train?
3: um you you need uh you need pedigree um i look for stallion power such as orb uncle mo curlin tap it. and you need you need an athlete you you absolutely need an athlete i don't know that you can do you can get the right horse consistently uh by any means w- without those three factors uh so good stallion power and pedigree and and an athlete
0: much of your life is rooted in Maryland, of course, where your father Dick not only ruled the roost but was known as a revolutionary when it came to training methods. What, for some of our younger audience, were some of his innovations?
3: Uh, I, I remember my dad is just uh, hard work, just just so so uh, consistent, so uh, diligent, uh, so attention to detail. But it all got it, it all ended up just just working hard and paying attention. And that, that's, that's what my father was very, very good at. He was just a machine at, at being able to get up in the middle of the night and work all day, every day, just year after year. And that's, uh, that's what made him, uh, you know, so successful.
0: Your younger brother Rick, trainer of 2008 Kentucky Derby and Preakness winner Big Brown, is in year four of a 10-year suspension for repeated medication violations involving his horses He's also been a guest of this podcast before. How has Rick adjusted to life away from the track?
3: Well, well he hasn't. He hasn't. Uh, Ricky uh, you know, hopes every day that uh, the next day is the the day he can get back into the into the the world he loves. So uh, he's not suicidal by any means, but uh, he is. He's just heartbroken, and uh, uh, just just wants to get back into
0: the game that he loves. Finally, one more on Motown. What are you most looking for about the way he runs when you send him out in the wood? Uh, Motown
3: has to finish up well. He has to finish up full of run. He does not have to win the race, but he has to finish up full of run. We've never had any issues or uh, with, with Motown's running style. He's always been a horse that uh, relaxes and listens to his rider. And uh, pace uh, goes with the race, and uh, our jockey uh, that we've had, Johnny Velazquez and now that we're going to have uh, Javier Castellano, they, they are, you know, well polished. Uh, they're pros at what they do, so they'll—they'll uh, they'll know where to uh, have Motown, and and once again,
0: uh, Motown just has to finish up full a run. Our thanks to trainer Tony Dutrow. We're going to take a short break here on In the Gate, and when we come back, some international intrigue on the Kentucky Derby trail. We'll explain with writer James Willoughby. Don't go away.
1: It's Thunder Snow alongside Charis. Thunder Snow, the Guineas winner. Charis from Japan, two hundred meters out. Thunder Snow's running. Jaris in front, Thunder Snow again, and I think one of the last possible gasp. in a photo in the Derby.
0: The most interesting latest development on the American Triple Crown Trail didn't occur in America. It occurred in Dubai, where the one horse that had already guaranteed himself a spot, Epicaris, ran a brilliant second to the previously unheard of, at least here in the United States. Thunder Snow for Godolphin and now both of those horses have spots reserved at Churchill Downs on the first Saturday of May so the horses here in America going for just 18 spots now in the Kentucky Derby and because the latest developments happened overseas we thought we'd bring in somebody who is much more keen to watching overseas racing and that is our friend James Willoughby of Racing UK former chief correspondent of the Racing Post. It is so good to have you back here. What were your impressions of the UAE Derby?
2: Well, this was a great race, Barry, to watch. And in terms of quality, not a bad one either. It featured a stirring finish between the Godolphin horse, Thunder Snow, and as you've mentioned, Epicaris, a Japanese horse who had won the Hyacinth Stakes, which is one of these new races which, enterprisingly, uh, Kentucky Derby have put forward as qualifying racers for this year's race, with the highest point scorer amongst the Japanese racers uh, getting a spot in the Derby. Now, at the moment, of course, that belongs to Epicaris, and is a very eligible horse to run in the Kentucky Derby. You may remember just 12 months ago, Lanny, his countrymate, finished ninth to Nyquist and followed that up with 5th to Exaggerator and 3rd to Creator in the other two legs of the Triple Crown. And Epicaris is at least as good as him. In fact, I'd rate him higher. Connections have said, however, that they're in some doubt as to whether they will make the trip to Churchill Downs, and that would be a shame for the other Japanese horses who are qualified to come over and not of his standing. Perhaps the best of them is a horse called Monsanto Legame, who won one of the qualifying races in November, but really isn't good enough to take his place and run a good race in what looks a strong year for the domestic horses uh, in America.
0: Well, especially because there doesn't seem to be any huge favorite here for the Kentucky Derby. One of those, whom we've mentioned before, was Gunnavara.
1: The jackpot winner, Gunnavera, is in full stride for Javier Castellano as they race to the top of the stretch in the Fountain of Youth, and there goes Practical Joke to confront three rules on the top end, but Gunnavera looms large off the speed as they turn for home with a short stretch to work with. With the lead, it's Practical Joke, but Gunnavera over the top is on to the front now. Three rules battles on gamely, these three well clear of the others, but it will be Gunnavera and Javier Castellano moving clear. Gunnavera for local trainer Antonio Sano. Rops in the fountain of youth
0: now you have mixed feelings about gunavara who is top so far among u.s based horses for the derby good racing post rating but benefited from a big pace collapse as you pointed out and you also noted the runner-up in the fountain of youth practical joke for trainer chad brown was caught in tight down the backstretch but recovered well so how do you see these two horses stacking up against everyone else let's say from california new york etc
2: well, I think you've summed it up perfectly. I think the answer is that, that the eight-and-a-half furlong trials have produced some good winners like Gunnavara and Jay boys Echo, but I think we need to see them all again in the nine furlong trials, the, the, if you will, the regional finals around America, for I think there could be a shake-up. The betting amongst European bookmakers reflects a very open state of affairs with, I think, no clear favourite at the moment, and bookmakers betting around 10-to-1 the field, which really is, considering that we're not that far away from the race, reflects the open nature of it. As you mentioned, Gunavara benefited from a pace meltdown in front of him, but that style is no hindrance to a horse stepping up to nine furlongs and beyond. He's from the first crop of dialed in. He's only a bargain buy, but I think his stamina is for real. Earlier, when defeated by Irish War Cry, who was a disappointment in the Fountain of Youth, that was in the Holy Bull he was caught behind a slow pace and that didn't suit him so much so to me he's got to do it again to prove it but he's in company in that regard and this is a picture i think is going to be clarified greatly over the next few weeks
0: you also like another chad brown runner-up cloud computing who finished second to J boys echo in the gotham what do you like about cloud computing
2: well One of the features of Aqueduct, this is rather a technical point, but one of the features of Aqueduct is that it features slow times. particularly the inner dirt, can get perhaps a little cloying during the winter, and also the tight bends slow things down as well. And the difference in terms of time, time translates to length in a way which means that, that beaten horses on the Aqueduct inner dirt can often reverse the form given only a slightly different pace scenario. And I thought cloud computing did really well in this particular race, the Gotham. attended which, if you look at the actual bare fractions, you wouldn't have thought was strong fractions at all, but given the conditions and given the normal expectation there, the pace was too strong for those up front, and Cloud Computing rallied really well in the straight and was keeping on very strongly uh, behind the winner on that occasion, and given his inexperience, I don't know whether he's ready to win a Kentucky Derby, but I do think he's a horse to follow as he develops through the second half of the season. So once again, the Gotham really sort of continued the pattern of races where you just like to see some confirmation you'd like to see whether the winners did indeed win a fair fight or whether they benefited from the particular dynamics of the pace in that event
0: james willoughby of racing uk is with us here on in the gate we would be remiss if we didn't have you take an early look at the 2000 guineas first leg of the triple crown over there that'll be at newmarket on kentucky derby day And Coolmore, again, seems to have the best shot with Churchill, as well as another horse named Auckland, who has the same sire as Churchill, Galileo, but comes out of Churchill's grandmother, the mother's mother. So that's pretty weird. How do you size up the top 2,000 Guineas contenders?
2: Well, unlike the Kentucky Derby, we have a clear favorite here. And expectations over this side of the pond are that Churchill... Will continue the good work of his two-year-old campaign and win the two thousand guineas. He's as short as 6-4 with most bookmakers, even even money in a, in a spot, and that seems well deserved. He's not a particularly flashy horse, but then again, neither in some parts of the race is Arrogant. But he won very well in the Dewhurst Stakes, and before that, he'd won a top juvenile race in Ireland as well. And given Aidan O'Brien's a brilliant record. At producing horses ready to run for their lives in the English and Irish classics, most betters over here really think that the 2,000 guineas is, is all about Churchill. Now, where I think there's strength and depth amongst the American cults, i have yet to be convinced there's much strength and depth amongst the British and Irish horses. The second favorite, Caravaggio, an Aidan O'Brien horse, well, he seems more of a speed horse. The third favorite is a horse called Rivet who won the racing post trophy that's another grade one race at Doncaster last autumn and he also seems to be a little challenge for class so what can happen in the spring here is that horses can emerge much quicker up our classic tree than they can in the states now the reason for that lies in the difference between grass and dirt on dirt seasoning and conditioning is a much bigger factor A horse has got to earn his way step by step to the top. It's really difficult to go straight from a maiden or first level allowance race to a graded one contest. But that's not the case in Europe on grass because grass races are not run at a strong pace throughout, even the 2000 guineas. And horses can suddenly appear. And Aidan O'Brien is a master of doing this, of pulling a rabbit from a hat in his vast number, his army of well bred horses. At Ballydoyle, every spring there are whispers and rumors about the latest wonder horse to emerge from their ranks. But at the moment, there are no such threats to Churchill and his hegemony over the other Aidan O'Brien trained horses seems real. So for now, I think, along with nearly everybody else here, that Churchill is very much the one to beat in our 2000 guineas.
0: We've talked about Godolphins, Thunder Snow, we've talked about Coolmore, some things don't change, but we have got to take just a moment here to talk about Arrogate and his win in the Dubai World Cup.
1: Arrogate's out wide now, he's being asked to improve but he's still eight legs off the lead and Gunrunner showed the way, Neolithic's a half length away second, one and a half lengths to Bob to Hedge and here comes the big A, Arrogate on the outside, Gunrunner in front of Neolithic but Arrogate swoops up on the outside, America's king creases of horse racing went to the front, 200 metres left to go, Arrogate... Drawn away from Gunrunner, A is for Arrogate, A is for Absolute Superstar, A is for anointing. Have we seen the anointing of the man-of-war of the 21st century, Arrogate, a brilliant winner of the Dubai World Cup?
0: That visually was one of the most amazing things I've ever seen, although you can't question the quality of the field that he beat. What were your impressions?
2: Yes, uh, it's funny you should touch on that, because... When Arrogate won the Travis, he achieved something on the clock there, which already stamped him as one of the all-time greats. In an era where tremendously quick ten furlong times have been something of the exception in America, because stamina during the 1970s, 80s, and 90s seemed to be a little on the wane in the classic cult in America, but in recent years we've seen a revival amongst distance horses, amongst two turn horses. And Arrogate's Travis time was absolutely remarkable and proved in that two minutes that he was one of the greats. Since then, of course, he's won three big races, three massively valuable races. And the latest of these uh, in Dubai perhaps was not his strongest performance in terms of if you just looked at the result, if you hadn't seen the race, if you didn't use your eyes and just read the results, you're quite right. I'm not sure that the form, the horses he defeated, are those that we'll be remembering in 20 years, in the same way that when we look at horses like Secretariat and Man War, they all had contemporaries who, when they defeated them, the defeat alone, without watching the race, was enough to cement their status. Now, really, Arrogate has done that just once, when he beat California Chrome in the Breeders' Cup Classic. But this performance seemed to take the breath away from observers But a lot of that was down to the fact that people assumed that he was going to win by a wide margin. And in the early stages, they were affronted by what their eyes showed them. They were shocked that he was so far off the pace after being squeezed out at the stalls. But he overwhelmed in the end a field which really uh, aren't fit to be in the same race with him for the most part, apart from the runner-up, who's a genuinely good horse. But it's only a couple of years ago that, a horse called Prince Bishop, a complete non-entity, seemingly, won the Dubai World Cup, coming from a long way off the pace. And his victory wasn't heralded with anything beyond the mundane. And I think that we have to take a little step back from believing that his arrogance greatness was anointed by the style of his victory. To my mind, though this might seem an academic point, to my mind, his travel stakes is the one which proves beyond all doubt that he's one of the top 10 racehorses in the last 25 or 30 years. And a final point, what about Judd Monty Farms? It, well, it seems an absolute gift to get one horse like Arrogate. Of course, another horse, Frankel, was probably, in my opinion, Arrogate's superior in terms of the number of standard deviations that he was better than the average horse when he was racing for Henry Cecil over here. I think Ar- Arrogate is a brilliant horse, and I think he has no peers in world racing at the moment. I actually think Frankel was better.
0: Thank you so much, James. It is such a pleasure to have you back on.
2: Uh, no, no, no problem. It was, it was fun, Barry. Thank you very much.
0: Our thanks to James Willoughby and to Tony Dutrow. It was quite the quantum leap back then in 1996, when the ruling Maktoum family of Dubai... Created a racing night richer than any that had ever been seen, a $4 million race, an all-time high. While other destination races would soon raise their purses, the Kentucky Derby going from 1 million to 2, the Dubai World Cup remained unchallenged as the richest race in the sport, when all of a sudden, from out of the clear blue, Frank Stronach created and executed the richest race of all time. Its $12 million purse was more than that of all the Breeders' Cup races put together in its first year. And while it doesn't make the World Cup night look flat, you have to think that Sheikh Mohammed's ego has been needled. He doesn't like to play for second place. Don't be surprised to see the World Cup prize soon spiral upward. The horses are not the only ones in the race. You can get us on our YouTube channel by searching In The Gate Podcast. You can get us on SoundCloud as well, which services the iTunes store, TuneIn.com and its app, and you can get us on the Pink Podcatcher app as well. And now you can subscribe to In The Gate in the Listen tab of the ESPN app. For the full In The Gate experience, subscribe now in the Listen tab of the ESPN app. And you can follow me on Twitter at b Abrams Voice or on Facebook at Barry Abrams Voice. That's In The Gate for this week. I'm Barry Abrams. We'll see you next time.